0: Welcome guys and gals to The Man Talks Show. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together some of the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Joining me today is Nick Onkin. And uh, Nick is actually a good friend of mine. He's a he's a photographer and not, not just any photographer, as you'll find out on the show. He's an incredible, incredible uh, photographer that has done some amazing work with huge brands like Nike and uh, celebrities like Justin Bieber and Usher and Lewis Howes. Uh, so he's a photographer, a podcast host, and a creative entrepreneur devoted to inspiring the world to create their moments and create their life. He's a former graphic designer hailing from the soggy city of Seattle. Uh, We know for for us Vancouverites, uh, we know what that's about. And uh, now residing in the concrete jungle of New York City, Nick has photographed personalities such as Justin Bieber, Usher, and Jessica Alba. He's photographed uh, print campaigns for international brands like Nike, Coca-Cola, Adidas, and has been published in magazines like Condé Nast Traveler, Cosmopolitan, and Marie Claire. Uh, His podcast is really interesting because he's he's interviewed celebrities like Usher and Scooter Braun and Stacey London, uh, not to mention others. And he photographs for the charity Pencils of Promise as he believes that education is the root problem solver of the world. So he's done some really amazing things. And the reason why I wanted to have Nick on today on on the podcast uh, is, is to talk about quite a few things, actually. So I wanted to talk about the current state of Art and creativity. I wanted to dive into, you know, the importance of personal branding, which seems to be such a huge, uh, a, a huge thing in everyone's world today. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, Lewis Howes and these types of of sort of influencers are talking about the importance of being able to not only create a brand but in order to be a brand. And so one of the things that Nick does extraordinarily well is he is he does something called uh, building anchor images. And this is something that we're gonna talk about on the podcast today. So whether you work a corporate job, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you are trying to be an influencer or start your own brand or your own business, this is going to be a very informative podcast about how, how you can go about creating a brand through imagery. And Nick has such an interesting perspective because he really has run the gamut. He's done commercial Uh, shoots for some of the biggest brands in the world. And he's also done, you know, uh, influencer shoots with some of the biggest influencers in the world. And then he's done charity work. And so he really has sort of seen the whole gamut. And so today we really talk about, uh, his personal journey, how he got into photography. And then we also dive into, uh, you know, this idea of anchor imaging, how to create an image that, that people remember, how to tie that into your brand, whether again, whether it's, uh, you know, an a analogous brand or whether it's actually a personal brand. Uh, and we talk about how the photography in- industry has actually changed quite a bit. And he talks about what it's been like for him to work with some of these biggest, you know, these big brands and these very iconic people like Usher and Justin Bieber. Uh, before I bring him on, just a quick, quick reminder. Don't forget to man it forward. Don't forget to share this podcast with just one person. It is how we have climbed to a top 200 podcast on iTunes Uh, It is how we continue to grow. So thank you so much for sharing us. It goes such a long way and I greatly appreciate it. Make sure you tag me in those because I want to give you shout outs for sharing the podcast. And, uh, and for all the guys that are out there listening, don't forget to head on over to Facebook and join the man talks community. It's a free community. There's over 3,500 guys from around the world, and we've got some great conversations and challenges that are going on in there. Uh, lots of guys getting support around their relationship and their business and their health. Uh, it's just an amazing resource. So, uh, that's that's what all about all I got for you right now. So without any further delay, please welcome my good friend, Mr. Nick Onkin. Thanks for having me, Connor. <laughs> so we actually we actually did this before in your studio and somehow I managed to screw it up and I lost the audio. Isn't that <laughs> like yeah.
1: I, you know, I don't know what happened. I think I, it was on my computer. I sent it over and then, uh, I think I deleted it cause I thought you had it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, we're back.
0: We're back. We're back for more. We're back, baby. We're back. Uh, so we're, we're going to dive into it. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of really cool stuff, including some personal branding stuff, which I know you are just crushing at right now. So I definitely want to get into that. But first I got to ask the question that everybody loves. I missed this question once. And I seriously had like 20 people reach out to me and they were like, dude, you didn't ask that question. Like, what what were you thinking? Dude,
1: Connor, get with it.
0: I know, I know. So, uh, so tell us, tell me, tell the audience a story about a defining moment that made you who you are today.
1: Well, I would say my answer to that was my first trip to Africa. And this was around 2003. I was probably... I, I was doing design. I was a graphic designer. That's what I did for, that's what my first career was. It was graphic design. I went to school for that. And, you know, I, I was doing freelance at the time and I wanted to, you know, I was, I had picked up a digital camera at this point and started shooting for my, like my design work just for fun. Just, you know, wasn't even a thing. And my buddy got back and back from Africa. He's in it. He built IT networks for, uh, as a, as his business and he said that he got, he, they flew him over there and he got to go and, and, and see it. And I've always wanted to go and travel, but there was, I never really had a had the money to do it, to do that. And B, you know, it, it's like, I mean, Africa, it's so out there across the world, different, different ball games. So I pitched this nonprofit design client of mine to split the expenses uh, on a trip to Africa to build them a photo library. And much to my surprise, they said, yes, <laughs> even though I had no idea what I was doing. I had enough photos that I'd put up on my website to convince them, apparently but uh I would say that was a life defining trip you know more of more of the uh, as a moment, the trip was the moment you know because it was the first time I had saw. The developing or experience the developing world for the first time and and you know that takes you through a heart journey first of all it shifts the that your perspective it shifted my perspective on the way that i see the world and you know you experience people in the developing world kids running around that don't even have access to water or education or anything yet they're happy and you come back here and to the first first world It's hard to grasp. It's hard to come back. For me, it took me three months to even acclimate because here you're immersed in these kids that literally have a a thatched roof over their head and they're happy, you know, and you come back to this bustling world and people are screaming because they can't get a coffee or things like that. And it really shifted the way that I saw the world and how I developed my business from there on out, you know, and, and that was the first thing that shaped, that was a big shapeshifter. And then the second thing was it actually opened my eyes to becoming a photographer as a, uh, as a career, you know, so I walked away from that, that trip having shape shifted two things. And then, you know, it took you know, another five or six months after that trip, before I started to really get curious about becoming a photographer for as a, as a profession.
0: Nice. And so what, what started to like create that spark for you? Cause I think, you know, we live in this age where everybody loves shooting photos, shoot, shooting photos. And I think everybody loves photography in some way, shape or form. You know, it's, it's really becoming like this music where, Whereas before, photography was for the few that you know really got into it and would buy the film and would process it and would have the camera and all the lenses and everything. And it really was, it really was this art form for a select few that were willing to invest the time and energy. And now, everybody on their smartphone can take photos, and <laughs> and and everybody has like the Instagram account and the uh, VSCO accounts and. You know, and, and so there's, and so all of a sudden you, there's, there's photos everywhere. It's kind of like what happened when, when iTunes came out and, and really like inundated the music industry. Cause then everybody could start putting music out through YouTube, through iTunes. And so I'm, I'm curious about like what, what brought you into or how did you actually get started as a photographer? Because when I look at your career from an outsider and as a, as a human being, who actually did some photography for a while, minor, minor leagues like weddings and landscape and stuff like that. The career that you built has, is really impressive and we'll talk about it in, that in a minute. But how did you get started? Like how did you actually start to build that career? Uh, yeah, I think,
1: I think, um, you know, the first piece of it was that Africa trip. And I, I had taken a couple of classes in high school and college because they were part of the design program. And I did AP art in high school, which, you know, they make you basically do try out each medium and like see what you like and put a portfolio together of that. But I didn't really think anything of it. I never even, it didn't even register on my radar that you could even make money being a photographer. And then I took a, another class in, in college, same thing. And then a few years later into my design career, when digital technology technology had just started to get good enough to use in like on the computer and like you can digitize the photos, you know, I'd, I'd taken some film photos here and there, but you know, your was young, it's expensive to de- develop film. Your learning curve is so long in between like, Oh, I snapped this photo. And then like a couple weeks later, you see the photo and you can associate what the, you know, the settings, you have to remember what the settings were that you, you know, correlated with that photo. So learning curve was a lot slower. So then when digital came out, I bought a digital camera to shoot for my design work. And that was kind of the start, but I still had never thought about doing it as a career until the trip to Africa. And then I came back and then I connected with this, this other photographer out of Seattle where I was uh, born and raised, and I was still living at the time. And I was doing website updates for him. You know, then I just started bombarding him with questions. You know, it was kind of like it was the universe pulling us together. I mean, in terms of like me working with him, and I just started bombarding him with questions of like, "Oh, how do you you know what camera should I buy? Like, how should I do this? And like, can I do this and this and this?" And eventually, he was just like, "Ah, maybe you should just come out on set with us, you know, and just hang out." And I was like, "Really? That'd be awesome." So I started going and just kind of like shadowing with him. And you know, it was it was he was doing commercial stuff in seattle portraits and different things like that so i got to see and then he really actually opened me he opened my eyes to the world of photography and the world of you know actually as a business and making money with uh with photography which i had no clue you could actually even do at the time and then i learned that it's actually a really big business so that's 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 where i got my start and then i just started and ended up starting to assist for him after his assistant kind of like moved on. And, um, I was through that mean, t- in the meantime, I was also shooting my own portfolio work. I started, you know, I grabbed my friends, my, my attractive friends. That's a, that's always a fun trick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's less, less impressive now <laughs> that everyone's a photographer, but, uh, it was fun at the time. So I, I, you know, I, I would just start shooting photos of my friends and then I started building like a portfolio. And then a friend of mine, I met, I met, he signed with a, Modeling agency there. He was like, Oh, you know, I'd love for you to shoot some my portfolio photos for me. So I shot for him. And then he introduced me to the agency and the agency and she started, and that's where I started shooting models. And then that kind of just like transpired into my style of like it was lifestyle photography at the time. And that lifestyle photography, I started shooting more models. I started creating more like concepts around it versus just like, Oh, a person in front of a wall, it was like, okay, what are they doing? You know, what's the concept in the image, create a portfolio around that. And then started showing that to ad agencies. And eventually, you know, Nike, Nike called me up one day and uh, asked me to come and shoot these pro sports players, Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Brian Urlacher, or yeah, Brian Urlacher, Mario Rivera. Oh God. Did I say Ben Roethlisberger yeah. and Brian Urlacher and Mario Rivera, Tori Hunter. Oh, and Albert Pujols. Nice. I had to go, I think, you know, it's funny. It's like, I had to Google these people. Like, I did not know <laughs> who they were. And <laughs> I was like, Oh, they're they're pretty big. Yeah, great. You know, but that, that shoot was like the amazing race. Like it was, I, A, they called me on a Monday. Christmas was on a Saturday. We didn't finish negotiating until Thursday. And we had to leave for the shoot on Monday in San Diego. And I was living in Seattle at the time. And I had to wrangle. I had to find an assistant. I didn't even know. Like, I've never done a shoot like this before. So there's so many, like, problem solving. It's Literally, this career is about constant problem solving, problem solving light, learning how to, you know, getting the right team in place to, like, get what you need. I found this assistant out of L.A., and he drove down to San Diego. He had all the gear and we set it up and it was long, the set of a commercial production, you know, they were filming the commercial TV commercial. And then that was the first week. And the second week we went to Pittsburgh, flew to Pittsburgh, set up prelit, And then the next day we shot, um, Mario Rivera and Ben Roethlisberger there. And we were supposed to fly to LA on the Wednesday and shoot Thursday. Well, Tuesday afternoon, they came up to us and they're like, yeah, you guys are shooting Ben or Albert Pujols in, in St. Louis tomorrow. So it was like the amazing race. Like we were all online booking tickets, like airline tickets. And like, like, like we had finished, like there was no tickets left. So we had to fly through Detroit, get this like layover ticket and fly. Literally we're in three cities in one day, got a rental car, drove to set, set up the set, shot Albert Pujols for like 30 minutes, went back to the airport and flew to LA. And it was just, that was, this was my first big job. And, and it was one of those things where you just like, you just go with it and you're just like running with it and problem solving as you go. But it was so much fun, Crazy. so much fun. So that was like probably the big kickstart to my career was that job. Amazing. Granted, I didn't see any jobs like that for another two years. After that. <laughs> so um, it was amazing. It was so much fun though.
0: I think that's one of the interesting things about artists is that, you know, you're you're creating in a lot of ways like this very unique and exclusive product, right? And especially as photographers, it seems like like you really are in a lot of ways an entrepreneur. You have so many problems you gotta figure out. You you have a very specific product that you're curating. You have to find ways in order to sell that product, who you're selling that product to, who your client base are. And and the interesting thing is that your your client base is it's not necessarily people, you have to keep people in mind, but it's usually like, you know, these, these companies that are hiring you. So it's quite an interesting process that, you know, it sounds like you go through, Uh, you know, I I definitely want to talk about the photography industry in a a minute, but I'm, I'm curious just first out the gates, like one of the things that really stands out to me about your career is the fact that you, you did carry on that process of landing these big jobs where, you were able to interact and, and shoot with with some incredible celebrities and i think that that is something that a lot of people often you know aspire to is to work with these types of people and you know one of the things i'm curious about is how did you actually go about doing that because the like celebrities and you know the the ben roethlisberger's and the ushers and the you know those those in the justin bieber's like they're so specific and it's challenging to get into this sort of echelon of, of work, whether you're in speaking, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you are a conference event planner, whether you run a tech company or you're a photographer. So what what did that trajectory look like and, and how did you end up you know like behind the camera for people like usher and justin bieber
1: yeah i mean that that stuff is all relationships to be honest and i you know and i think it all stemmed from philanthropy work really because i met adam braun uh 10 years ago he's the founder of pencils of promise and him and i just met him through a friend and we connected had a beer You know, I was just like, I was looking for another developing world or a new developing world charity to get involved with and to give back because I wanted that to be a piece of what I was doing as just a business, you know, philosophy. And so Adam and I had a beer. We, you know, we were, I mean, I knew that he was going to build something big. And he has a bleeding heart for the cause, a brain to build a business around it. And he's like, you know what? We're So I just like, let's do this. He's like, you know what? I'm going to Laos in December. I can't pay you. I can't pay for you. But, you know, you're welcome to come. So I did that. And we just like had a blast. We just built a relationship there. And so we became, him and I became friends. I really believed in what he was doing. And so six months later... We were, you know, I was actually releasing my book, my book on travel photography and we did a gallery show here in New York City with all the photos that we took from, from that trip. And right around that time, he was like, Hey man, check it out. My brother found this kid on the internet. His name's Justin Bieber. He's going to be really big one day. I was like, what? Justin who (laughs) and and yeah, I mean, you know, and that actually, and it took like a few years longer later before I actually got to meet Scooter. And, um, but that it was, it was all the relationships through that, that, Allowed me to get to shoot Justin Bieber. Photographed Justin Bieber probably four, five, six times. We've taken him to Guatemala in helicopters and into the jungles. I they flew me out to Zurich one time to shoot him for Motorola. You know, he called me one day and like wanted me to come to his house and photograph him. And then you know, also like through that time, I ended up meeting Usher. And through Scooter, we went on vacation with uh, with Usher. And then so I photographed him a handful of times. You know for fun and they've hired me. So that's kind of and you have to kind of have a you have that have the relationships, but you also have to have the portfolio to back you up. Obviously, like, you know, they're not just gonna let anyone photograph them. You have to keep working, have that keep working on that book to to have something to show for. So at the time, at that time I had I had, had both, you know, enough credibility work-wise to for them to have trust in me. And then also you know that came through just knowing these people and just like building valuable relationships with them so and then you know i've shot other people like jessica alba that came through i shot her for her book and that came through the publisher who actually the designer did my book and you know so there again it was another relationship that that happened so that's that's essentially how i've gotten to shoot those guys and then big brands as well that's like a, it's a, more
0: relationships with a lot of marketing as well i love it man so You know, I I think one of the big things that that really stands out there, you you mentioned relationship a few times. And I think, again, just bringing this back in, whether it's whether it's you're an entrepreneur, you know, that's listening to this or a professional that's listening to this or a creative, an artist that's listening to this. Obviously, the relationships are such a huge thing For, for you. What have been some of those keys that have stood out that have allowed you to really build solid relationships? Because it sounds like You know, it sounds like philanthropy and and your values have really been cornerstones that have created these access points for you to connect with some of the right people almost inadvertently. It's not like you were going out there looking to like be the photographer for Justin Bieber or Usher, but it was just that your values sort of led you there. So from your perspective, just looking back in hindsight, what were some of those things that allowed you to cultivate such great relationships?
1: Yeah, I think, well... I've always been a believer in in giving and i think that's been the first a like philanthropy so having a having ph- philanthropy as a commonality piece between you and that other person uh, but in general i think looking to see how you can add value to somebody else's life and and that's kind of like the key relationship builder I believe. And just being like a, you know, being a cool person, not like cool as in like, Oh, Hey, I'm so cool. But like, you know, especially with celebrities, you can't ever fan out in front of them. Like what you have one chance to make an impression. And if you, if you like fan out, they put you in a different category and you've got to be their equal, be their peer. And that's how you build a relationship with them. I was sorry. I heard this quote. It was, uh, it's like fans take pictures friends shake hands and it's it's such a true concept and if you want to play on their level you know especially as a photographer like you've got to be the one you're got to be the director because they're those guys are all used to being directed in certain things so um but relationships i would say definitely like adding value to that like seeing how you can add value to somebody else is like a huge key and introduce I think introducing them to other people and and bringing them into bringing them to, into your network and
0: and things like that. Nice, I like it. And in this in this age of like social media, and I know I touched on this before, where everybody has to have the smartphone and they're taking the photos, and you know everybody has their curated, pristine Instagram profiles uh, with the selfies in front of buildings and uh, and and other, and other things. How have you seen social media really start to shift your industry? Because I think I think no matter the industry that people are in, they've seen a huge dramatic shift because of social media. And I'm curious, you know, in the artistic space, specifically in, in photography, how you've seen the industry itself shift and change over the last decade as social media has started to infuse itself with our society?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's the, it's the ongoing conversation of, you know, and I think it's, it's changed in good ways and in bad ways, right? I think it's the the actual craft of photography has gotten lost because it's so uh, disposable now. And it's so instant. It's so gone after you create it. And, Certain things do better, you know, it's become more about the channel than it actually has the actual craft. And so, you know, on the flip side, it's made it accessible for people to really, you know, exude their, like, try out their passion of photography and and get it out there and and give it, give, give, give their work exposure Uh, so it's, it's worked in, you know, for me, it's worked in good ways and bad ways as well. You know, like I use it as a platform for exposure and to, you know, showcase the projects that I'm doing in my life and things like that. Uh, but it's also like in a certain respect, it diluted the industry. And it's shifted, you know, it's like shifted the landscape in terms of editorial and publications, you know, like magazines are closing left and right. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens down the road. But um, it's definitely given people a platform to be more creative as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems to be like one of the big things is that everybody's looking for creative outlets. And and while not everybody wants to be a professional with those creative outlets, it does seem to inundate the market you know just just like when itunes came out it had a very similar effect uh and and youtube and now you know people's music is sort of just being shared all over the place where you used to have to go buy an album like i don't remember i I don't know if you remember but like walking like hmv and like sifting through all of the all of the music albums, right? And trying to find like the latest album, then going home and playing the whole thing. Yeah, and and you know that that shifted so dramatically, so that anybody can produce music and put it out, load it up into iTunes, load it up into SoundCloud, load it up into YouTube, and 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 really just like pop it out there. So, do you think that that has, in some ways, made it much more challenging from a competitive edge standpoint? And 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 if yes how do you then really start to curate your own competitive edge because that seems to be the biggest challenge in the artistic space right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> i am if i am trying to figure that out right now <laughs> great, great, great great i will say that it, and it's definitely been a challenge because there's so many people getting into it so the, the level of play is 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 like evened out quite a bit um uh, and so yeah you have to really craft your own, like your signature style has to cut rise, like even higher. And, you know, maybe that's doing a certain type of personal work or creating something that's different than everybody else is doing. And, um, uh, you also have to be creative in business as well. You know, it's like, you really are an entrepreneur. I mean, I'm realizing that more than now more than ever is that I've got to create, you know, like I'm creating a secondary business. that's around personal branding for entrepreneurs uh and it's completely different business model than the commercial model, uh commercial and editorial model. So, you know, commercial editorial model is a lot more about having that unique twist or that unique portfolio that um, you know, advertisers want want to buy in, you know, personal branding is more about telling that person's story and and bringing out their personality and how letting them become the guide, you know, to their, their tribe and to their clientele uh, and building a story around that. So I've been able to take a lot of things that I've learned from building brand imagery for big brands like Nike or Coca-Cola and translating that into doing that for entrepreneurs, which has been, it's been interesting. So to your question is like, it is, it's, it's different for each business model and that's, you have to figure out the art and the commerce and how you want to build your own business really. And how you want that to look. Um, cause you have to create a, a revenue streams to fund your art.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Unless you have a trust fund. <laughs> I like that little caveat at the end. Although I, I think in, in most cities, that's not the case, but maybe in New York, that's more of yeah. a case here well
1: you know what's funny is because every, everybody here has a side hustle uh, you've probably noticed this everybody's like oh i got my job but then i'm like this is what i'm really working on and it's like i feel like that's like my art career right i'm like i've got my job i've got like my business where i'm making money but then i'm like oh these are the projects i'm like i got my podcast i paint murals and like i'm you know working on other like photography projects that are just more personal. yeah. And so those, it's like, you gotta have the, the fun, you wanna create the funding and like the the runway to be able to actually execute those.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Because when like somebody the other day asked me what my hobbies were and I was like, oh, you know, like, I, well, I run a podcast and, and they're like, oh, well, you know, is that something that you have to invest in? And then I really started to think about it. And I was like, actually, I think I spend like 12 to $1,500 a month just to run this podcast. And they, and they looked at me like I was freaking crazy. I was like, yeah, like I, I actually spent a lot of money for this hobby that, that, you know, in, in, in many ways is not like a form of income. It's just something like, I love having these conversations. And so it was this realization that our hobbies have shifted, you know, like my, when I look at my uncle, he does soap stoning, right? he like creates these like little soapstone caricatures, but he has no idea what a podcast is, right? He's like never right. listened to a podcast episode in his life. And 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 then for our generation, our interests are just so much different. And they've, they've morphed uh, into integrating technology in this way and having these conversations and disseminating information and putting it out there. And so our, our hobbies and our interests and our, our side hustles, our art forms have really changed. And so it's so interesting to see. Um, I kind of want to shift in the space of the the power of photography because it's something that I've always been fascinated with, you know, capturing photos in a way that, that depicts this very specific narrative, you know, and, and photos have such an ability to be, they have such an ability to be so powerful for people Mm -hmm. and and to capture these moments. So first off, just from your own perspective, Why do you feel like photos are so important to people?
1: I think photography is important as an art form in terms of communication. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I think it all depends on like what, you know, what your taste is, what you like. Uh, For me, I love photographing people. I love looking at photos of people. And uh, I think that's because we real we all, relate to the emotion that's coming through within that and you know for me i love capturing moments that people are in or i love capturing moments of joy because i think in a certain sense that brings me joy you know there's a connection piece to that and for me i think photography i think it's impactful i mean look at look at how many when you're selling products like there's all this research, especially on like Amazon that like products that have like a lifestyle photo of somebody using that product sells more because it, Get, it lets that person envision themselves using that product, Product, right? So imagery and photography is powerful in that sense is because people can like directly relate to it and can people can directly connect to what's going on there. You know, that's, that's why I love like documentary photography, especially like I follow like the life life magazine account on Instagram. It's just like, you have these like beautiful black and white moments in time that tell that have such a great narrative to them, and I think that's still why I love f- still photography over motion, because you're telling a story in one frame versus like a longer longer frame. And motion's still great, but like I think photography itself can tell so many stories and take and take you and transport you to another era or another point in time or connect with somebody's emotional be- state of being. Within that photograph, you know, look at the news, look at newspapers. Photographs tell stories. I think it's it's so powerful in that respect.
0: Yeah, I like that. I mean, you you kind of touched on a piece there around around capturing this moment in time, and I and I do feel like photography is so uh, so popular, almost unconsciously, for us as human beings because it 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 sort of does trace back to our obsession with time. You know, and the fact that we can look back at all of these moments in our life and recall them and, and I, you know, and sort of pull those memories and those emotions back into the present moment and relive them, even if for a second, or, or to look at somebody else's photographs and, and hopefully get a glimpse into what it's like to be in their life. Yeah. And I think that that's, for me, that's, that's always been the really interesting, like the photographers that I've loved and followed, they always have, this innate ability or this cultivated ability to capture the essence of a moment in a way that is viewable for so many people. Yeah. So so let's talk about that because, you know, again, in this age where everybody wants to be a great photographer <laughs> and they wanna take great photos, it's funny, I was just at a wedding this past weekend in Colorado and I had my my iPhone 10 with me and I was like taking some photos of this one couple And, you know, because I know the basics of photography, I took some decent photos Yeah, and and they were blown away by them. And all of a sudden, all of our friends, all the couples were like, oh my gosh, can you take photos of us? We want photos. And so all of a sudden I had literally like six couples lined up to have their photos taken. And I was, I was like laughing really hard and they're like, oh, we don't want to, you know, like burden you or anything. I was like, no, no, don't worry about it. Like this is, I love doing this, you know, because, because you get joy out of it, right? You get joy out of it. Yeah. you can look back at that and, and relive that moment, the essence of the happiness and the joy in that moment. So I'm curious from your perspective, what goes into, into making a great image? Like what are some of the different pieces that you look for when, when you're trying to create a certain narrative or dialogue or story within an image?
1: Yeah. I mean, the first piece is light, right? Like photographs are light. I mean, in the old days film is literally, it's a piece of emulsion. And when the light gets shown on the emulsion and different, like state, you know, different levels, it burns into the, it burns the light into the film. So looking for the right light is the first piece of that. And, uh, every light situation is different. I mean, we could go into a whole course of photography, but, uh, you know, there's, you know, I think lighting in different ways creates different moods as a as a differentiation piece. I mean, you can have like, say, the sun on somebody's face, but then you can also have the sun behind that person and it blasts out, which is some of my favorite light. Uh, and it creates a completely different mood and a different, different texture. You could be inside of a room, you know, like we are here. There's big, big windows. And then the light looks differently, you know, on that person's face, you know, it's like nice, soft light. So I think paying attention to light and seeing how that falls in in the through the frame where you're where you're looking the other thing too the second thing is is I'll, i guess i'll just i'll do this in the context of what i'm drawn to and what i like because it's just like that's my how i can best describe it that way so like i love photographing people um, in situations and a little, you know, kind of like documentary portrait type of work. So I love looking at elements, you know, what the person's wearing or what the props are on the table. Like if I'm shooting you here and we've got, you know, we're telling your story of hosting a podcast. I love having the microphone in here. I love having, you know, the computer and the books and like, you know, this frame right here. Obviously, you can't see what I'm framing up here, but uh, uh, maybe maybe we'll take a picture and then we'll put it on the yeah. <laughs> on the blog post. But you know, I, for me, it's like it's elements and props and clothing and and different things that add to that you put in that frame to tell that story and to like and to give it context so that's another thing that i look for i love color so like i love bright colors within photographs so paying attention to what people are wearing if it's like you know i just did a project with my friend marina and she's she did this project against fast fashion wearing a red suit for the whole month and so i photographed her in different situations like on the beach in venice and then we did a pizzeria here in new york and you know, we just had fun with it. And, but the colors, the red suit really popped against the situations that she was in, which was made for great visuals and kind of, and told, helps tell that story. So that's like, those are kind of the the top things that I look for.
0: Very cool. I mean, it's, it's interesting because like, do you ever curate a photo shoot trying to Trying to like really bring forward certain parts of individuals and like trying to showcase like when you, cause you do a lot of, of individual and personal photography and personal brand photography. So. So do you try and pull forward parts of that person's character based on what you see in them? Yeah, I, I totally forgot to mention that is, is looking at someone's gestures and personality traits
1: and, you know, how do they laugh or how do they, you know, what, which, what's, what positions they look better in or getting like, I love movement as well. So I'll get people moving. And then as I observe somebody that I'm photographing, I can kind of tell like what, which gestures or movements make them look good and accentuate their personality and and especially like moments of like a a laugh or you know laughing off camera or you know and i'll i'll slightly direct people i don't like to over direct um but i like to slightly direct and get them in a moment that you know in an emotion or in a moment that that i can capture and then that tells their story
0: and their personality
1: and, you know, that's kind of the beauty of it. That's why I love photographing people, because you have that emotional connection.
0: I like it. I like it. Well, on that on that note, uh, which is a perfect segue, <laughs> yeah. it's a perfect segue in there. Um, you know, I think one of the one of the interesting things that I've really started to notice and, and become more and more aware of in the last few years is that regardless of the business and and the profession that you're in. And this is something that I actually learned from my singing days, which is back when i was back when i was singing i remember the woman who ran the the music school that i was in so i went to university of british columbia got a music degree uh majored in opera and so i you know i studied opera quite a bit and and how to be on stage how to present yourself as an artist and the the woman who ran the school uh <clears throat> her nickname was the herminator she was like this little german ferocious woman from like from germany uh, and she, I never will forget, she was talking about presenting yourself in in the industry. And she said, the one thing that you need to know that will differentiate you from everybody else is that you are a living, breathing, walking product. And so in every moment, whenever you meet someone, whenever you come across someone, whether you finished a gig, whether you're at somebody else's gig, you're at a charity event, they are... They're they're looking at you as a product because you are, in, in many ways, you're the product, you're the service, you're the artist all in one. And so you better always have an understanding of what your personal brand is. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I'd ever even heard of this concept of a personal brand because I'd never done business before. So I didn't understand what that was. Yeah, and And so all of a sudden, I became very aware of what a personal brand was. And then when I worked at Apple, I still started to see... How so many people? They're really successful leaders. They're really successful uh, team members. They were the ones that had like their own personal brand within the actual brand of the organization. Oh, interesting. And and that seemed to make like this huge differentiating factor. And so I'm I'm curious in this age of everybody really being a personal brand because it, it seems like no matter what industry you're in, no matter what profession you're in. It really serves people to have clarity on on personal branding as somebody that that helps people create that and build that and design that from a very visual and tactical standpoint. What are some of the pieces that you see going into uh, cultivating and curating a, a really exceptional personal brand
1: yeah, you know it's it's funny because it is it's so much about the personal brand these days and because I think of every like Instagram and all these all these different platforms online, you know, now there's so many people out there, right. Doing these things. So you have to really now stand out from that noise with, especially with the personal brand. And I think, you know, visually creating a personal brand is really about telling your story. It's about telling your personality, you know, for me, like we, I have like a a three-step process that I've been developing um, around, you know, we do a story diagnostic around, it's like a question, you know, we fill out questions of like, you know, what is your, you know, what kind of things do you like to do? What's your mission? How do you want to help people? What is your, you know, what kind of how do you want to be portrayed in the industry? You know, business casual? Do you want, you know, are you more fitness? Are you more, you know, do you want like some professional speaking stuff? And we can create a range. And I think it's really about giving that person dimension and uh, not letting it, you know, just be a one, you know, one trick pony, a flat, you know, we want to, you know, tell that story. So it's like, what kind of location suits you? You know, what kind of um, props or things like that or hobbies do you have that would help tell your story? and then you know we then i would build a you know we build the shoot around that stuff and then we actually go and execute the shoot and so i think we what i do is create elevated um elevated realism is kind of what i've been thinking about in terms of you know creating something like making you aspirational while also being relatable and I think that's just, that's kind of the photography, you know, we we're talking about earlier. That's what I gravitate towards. I love these situations where it feels like in the moment, but it feels elevated at the same time. And, you know, if you create those as anchor images in your brand uh, you can f- in, put that in different places and your like website, your profile pictures. And when you're, when you're keeping your anchor images consistent across your different platforms, then people like notice you and they, that they, they correlate that with you. It's like, in the brand, It's like you see, a, it takes like five times before you see a logo or a brand for somebody to, to remember you and just even like off the top of your head. So the more you can keep that consistent across your brand, uh, the better, uh, the more people will recognize you and you'll stand out.
0: That's yeah. I mean, that's pretty interesting. I think, I think a lot of people i have definitely seen a lot of people start to shift to do that. And, and even, I mean, even I've started to do that, which has been, which has been interesting. Like putting my face just like out there more, which is, uh, yeah, I think I was like resistant to that for so long. I was like, I'm not going to put my face out there. I'm just going to be like this dude behind the scenes. Uh, and, and so that's, that's been a, that's been a big shift, but what, what have you seen working really well? Like, do you feel like there's continuity between the core values? Like let's say there's an entrepreneur that's listening to this or a professional that's listening to this. What's the value for, for them to have continuity between their personal values, their business values, and then showcasing that in the curated images that they would like do with you or, or, you know, the video that they would do and the talks that they would do.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think can being congruent through all of that stuff is the most important and having, you know, creating like your that's why we talk about the brand message and the brand vision and how, you know, how do we tell that story, even if it's through expression or through, you know, story of image, uh, things like that, or just elevated look or wardrobe. uh, How do we tell the story of your mission and keep that congruent, you know, that your personality to be like professional, but approachable or, you know, things like that. I think that's very highly important. I mean, look at, you can see, you see this all the time on Instagram, right? You see some, someone who's not a model posing like a model and then putting an inspirational quote underneath. And you're like, that doesn't resonate. Like that doesn't like feel congruent. You know, there's like a vanity piece within that. That's like, Oh, Hey, look at me. I'm hot and sexy, but here, I'm going to inspire you at the same time. Right. Right. I'm not inspired.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I I think I came across one of those pages the other day. It was like kind of fitnessy model, but it was, you know, like a, like a motivational quote underneath, but, it was just like pretty inappropriate from from like a like the photo was pretty inappropriate. Where even as a dude, I was like, I mean, that's a little excessive, but oh, all right, okay, like you, you do you, and you'll. So, <laughs> yeah. so this, I, I think, this brings me into my next my next question is, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned through the years in in business is that your your message really attracts your audience, and so is is this true too with the type of images? That that you help to create for people, and and that people would create for their business, their product, their services, is that going to help to attract in the type of people that they want to work with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So say like you know, for instance, your your message is. Um, you know, you're, you coach, you're, you're a dad that coaches men or you're, you're, you're a guy that coaches men into like being like a family man and, and just like having good values and things like that. Well, say you lost, you wanted to show people that you, you know, you were, you lost a lot of weight, you know, you're not going to, I think your message, you wouldn't, it would be incongruent to show a photo of you in the, in like sexy sexy bod lost all this pounds where it'd be like, I would craft a scenario where say like you have your shirt off and you're playing with your kids on the beach. You know, that's a real aspirational moment. You're still kind of showing your, you know, showing that element, but you're not like posing in a way that's like incongruent with your message. You know, your message is like, you know, how do you be, how do you stay healthy and be a family man and be a man of value? So put it in that context, you know, Create a picture that's like that tells that story more than like, hey, I'm like hot and sex man, but I'm going to inspire you to be a family man.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it.
1: <laughs> so, congruence, people, that's what I'm saying is like when you're thinking about creating imagery, think about the story that you're telling and like that goes along with your message. Like you were
0: saying, it's like be congruent. Yeah. I mean, I think on just on that note, like where do you see people go wrong? Because I think, you know, you could take. Ten minutes, five minutes, heck, and and scroll through Instagram and see so many examples of of people doing this wrong. So, what are what are some like no goes when it comes to putting putting out like imagery, products, services around personal branding that you see and you just like facepalm?
1: <laughs> I, you know, I think that, that 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 would be a huge one, especially like um, you know, if you are like a, a a man or a woman, health coach, trying to get people to be healthy, I, I think you gotta threat. Th- th- like you cross that line between sexy model pose and posting like a hey, you know, you too can be like this, blah blah blah. You're not really guiding your audience to come through you know, you're not your personal brand is, is incongruent in that in that sense. You're you're posing for all sense of the word, it's, it, you know, feels fake, you know, it doesn't feel authentic to your message. So that's something I see a lot is that incongruence. And there's a fine line between like crafting a scenario that where you feel like you're in that person's moment and like, or you feel like that person's posing and it doesn't, it doesn't match up. That's like my biggest face palm. I'm just like, (laughs) Oh God, please don't, please
0: don't. So, yeah. so what you're saying is find somebody that knows what they're doing,
1: find somebody that knows what they're doing, uh, you know, that can bring that out of you that resonates with you. You know, I think finding a photographer is really about f- loving that person's work and, and that world that surrounds them. And, you know, you always got to look at somebody's portfolio
0: in that sense. Um, you'll get a sense of, of how, who they are and how they shoot uh, by that. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like one of the things, like even after having done some photography, it's so, weird for me to be in front of the camera. Like, being behind it, I'm like, cool, I can direct people, but as soon as I'm in front of it, I'm like, oh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, you know, yeah, I totally get it. And it's funny because like, I've actually been in front of the camera a little bit more these days, especially with my podcast. And we do like behind the scenes stuff and uh with social media and Instagram. So I get it, you know what I mean? Like I'm, it, it actually helps me to put the pieces together to be on that side. And it also helps me direct being behind the camera to be on the other side of the camera as well. So that's also given me insight into this whole world. And, you know, like on Instagram, it's like, that's the thing is like, I get, you know, people want to see what I'm up to. So I get, so a lot of times I get more engagement on photos of me than I do photo photos that I take, which is funny. Um, so, you know, I think it's just about, it's a, I think people are really wanting to see that, see you and connect with you as a person. And I think that's becoming more and more of a thing these yeah. days in in the personal branding world.
0: I'm I'm curious how you work like the first thing that comes to mind just based on what you said is how how do you work with introverts because that seems to be you know i i think i think about people that are more introverted and less likely to sort of step out front you know in in the in the social media limelight what's your sort of insight or advice for them when it comes to some of this personal branding but also Uh, getting comfortable with being in front of the camera.
1: Yeah. I mean, everybody, every person's different. I've worked with so many different types of people. I've worked with kids in Africa. I've worked with celebrities. I've worked with uh, entrepreneurs. I've worked with introverts. And a lot of it is so much about a, for me as a photographer, building rapport with that person and, you know, slowly getting them out and seeing where they feel comfortable. Right. I think, you know, we talked about the observing. It's kind of like getting somebody moving, getting somebody observing, you know, pushing them out of their comfort zone a little bit, you know, and I think if anyone's going to get in front of the camera and do a photo shoot, there's going to be a certain sense of a certain piece of a little bit more than being getting outside of themselves, even if they're an introvert. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of pushing them because, I mean, that's where we live best or the, where we grow the most is outside of our comfort zone. So, you know, I think even that is could be a growing experience for an introvert is to get in front of the camera. I mean, I'm, when I was first getting in front of a camera, I was like, Ugh. you know, and, but I'm getting used to it a little bit more now. So I understand what it's like. I mean, I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert myself.
0: Nice. OK, so let's shift gears a little bit uh, to, to the future of fine art. Cause I'm, I'm curious about this and, and this just sort of like popped up out of this of like, with this inundation, where do you see, where do you see fine art going? Like really high art where people are, you know, getting galleries and the, the type of work that that you're talking about, where do you see that shifting and going with, with like more technology coming in, more people coming online and actually accessing that, like, what, what do you see as the future of fine art?
1: Well, I guess uh, let's clarify fine art. What does fine art mean to you? Yeah. Cause I mean, cause then I can speak to that. Cause fine art could be, I mean, there's fine art photography, there's fine art, there's the fine art world, which is paint on canvas. You know, like, I don't know if, you know, I'm, I'm sure people will integrate technology as part of the art, which people are doing, you know, motion, video projections, things like that. Uh, but the fine art world is a whole other business mm. that we even haven't even touched on
0: a whole different business model how do you define the boundaries of fine art because this is something that i've like i've always been interested in this conversation of of where does the line actually reside for art or in fine art you know like there's i can't remember the guy's name is like duchamp like uh henry or charles duchamp and i think it was like in the in the 50s or 60s and he basically took a urinal and cleaned the urinal and put it into a gallery in in france and and called it art and it was like you know it was a comment on postmodernism and actually like taking everyday things and saying that like everything in you know everyday things can be artistic as well but i i think that the challenge then comes in in like well if everything is is art then then really nothing is art right so they're like where do you define the lines as as an artist without getting <laughs> without getting like too existential and without taking this, I mean, we, we could get existential anyway. Cause I think we do that normally, <laughs> yeah. but, but I'm, I'm curious because this is a conversation that's always sort of rattled me a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is, it's definitely shifting. And I think art is, you know, art's always been in the eye of the beholder. Right. And I think the fine art world, that's always been a matter of convincing somebody that there's value behind it. You know, and there's certain pieces of the art world. And I think a lot of it's the game, the game of of creating value around a piece or an artist or, you know, and I don't know the fine art world that well. But um, a friend of my friend actually found created an algorithm that can and I, I would love to learn more about this, but that can predict which artists are going to be the top artists. And these are for like, you know, paintings or art pieces that are a million dollars and more to the point where he can't buy art in his name. Cause nobody will sell it to him because he knows that they're going to be, the art's going to go way up in value. So take that idea, right? What's, I mean, how crazy is that? And like the data is like, Oh, this artist is in this circle. They went to this school they do, they're in this gallery, this, this, and this. And that's almost, that's the kind of formula that it is. So what is art, right? Like if say that person paints a toilet blue, but, and he had all those credentials, then that is that what makes it art. Hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? So there's what the fine art world is this whole different world. I don't know where it's going. I think it, I think that world is probably going to be around to stay because of, there's a lot of rich people out there that like to buy art and they like to play that game. They like to be in that world. So,
0: so in, so in some ways it it, it sounds like it's almost coming back to to two things. It's coming back to your relationships and the circles that you're in. And then second, it, it sounds like, because when I've, when I've seen like really great art that's been put out that most people thought would never, you know, nothing would ever come of it. That it really was a matter of that person being so relentless in their belief that this was a comment that needs to be made in society. You know, so it's almost, it's almost like the two pieces are your relationships and then, and then secondly, your ability to sell your idea because the, the, the artistic expression is really just an idea that somebody's had. You know, that toilet in the gallery was just an idea that somebody was like, well, this is art too, and I'm going to put that in a gallery and maybe he had all the right connections in the circle to, to make that happen, but, but then it's about the idea. So, yeah. so do you feel like those are really like two components? And let's just pull this back into to personal branding and, and the work that you do. Do you feel like those two components, the relationships and the ability to have like a, like a relentless optimism in the idea that you have around your personal brand? are are those really like the cornerstones of, of being able to break through the incredible amount of noise that is social media?
1: Yeah. I mean, it really, it all comes down to the relationships and it, all, it comes down to, I mean, look at people like Lewis Howes. you know, his brand is just like, and that's somebody I work with on personal branding as well. And, you know, he's relentless in that respect in terms of like, he's out there and he's growing and he's like in, and everybody, you know, he's, he's putting all this stuff out there and he is relentless about it and he is creating those relationships and those bridges. So, I mean, that it, it brings it, that's, that's the personal
0: brand. Like it comes back to that. Amazing. All right. So we're, we're getting close to the end here. So we're going to wrap up, but I do want to ask you, what is the future hold for you? Like what I, I really have two questions. One, what does the future hold? And two, what is like your dream project? Like if you could bring anything into existence from our artistic standpoint, I know I'm putting you on the spot because I know, I, I know we didn't like talk about it. I've never put this out to you. And even though we're friends, I've never asked you this question, but, but if you could dream up, like what is the dream for Nick Ankin to bring something into the world?
1: Uh, I mean, I would love to do a coffee table book, hmm. a book of portraits, what exactly, I mean, probably multiple ones, but I'm, I am working on one that we've talked about before. The idea, the conversation of women and, and power, not women in power. But I think for me, I'm inspired by people that are using their power for positive change and especially women because uh, they've gone through more adversity to create that. So that is a project I'm working on. Um, and excited about, you know, another book I have, I mean, uh, you know, that is another piece that I want. That's more, less of a, uh, it's more on the creative philosophy and personal development, mm-hmm. things like that. I want to do more mural painting. Um, I want to paint murals on the streets uh, and create, you know, create art that inspires and empowers people. Um, so those are a couple things on the roster. Uh, there's a few people I'd love to shoot and interview like Pharrell. And I mean, I love Pharrell's art and like philosophy, like life philosophy, things like that. So
0: nice. So, so how people can help you is if they know Pharrell, (laughs)
1: <laughs> Anyone knows his just and, tweet at him yeah you know wants to hook me up with a photo shoot interview with him
0: just tweet, there we go just tweet up yeah. um,
1: or has a wall like a, a wall space in the outdoors that uh needs to be painted
0: or or maybe knows a knows a publisher for the uh for the for the women and power coffee table book yeah boom absolutely i love it i love it man well listen this has been an absolute pleasure i feel like we could talk about this and and everything else we didn't even get into holotropic breathing um which i feel like might be for another podcast just kind of like <laughs> tease everybody that's still listening to this just like you know, tease them with that um but yeah listen i appreciate you coming on the show this has been an absolute you know blast and honor and uh for everybody that's out there listening you know nick nick really is like one of my good friends he's an amazing guy so definitely check him out on instagram uh on his website all the all the links will be in the show notes uh, so definitely go and follow along with his journey. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Uh, and uh, and don't forget to man it forward. Don't forget to share this podcast episode with just one person. Uh, whatever platform you're on, please leave us a rating or review. Thank you so much for all those that have been doing that. Uh, and when you do share it with someone, feel free to tag me. I love seeing that it goes a long way to getting us into the ears and onto the phones of other people. Uh, so this is it. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Connor Beaton signing off. Join me next week for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring individual.